going to continue on in Revelation today. Had a great response from you guys and uh, people who have come up to me and said, wow, you know, I just never really realized how insightful the book was and how helpful it was in everyday life. And I'm really excited that uh, the Word of God is being received and uh, it's being able to be understood. I'm excited about that. That's not my doing. It's the Lord. He opens up eyes and he, and he gives words and he gives wisdom and he gives gifts uh, of writing the Word of God across our hearts and, and making it uh, active and sharp and, and, it, and it penetrates, doesn't it? The Word is so good, you can never replace it with anything else. We need the Word of God. Ain't that right? Amen. Ain't that right, brother? Amen. We need the Word of God like we need air to breathe. We really do. Without the Word of God, we're lost as a ball in high weeds. We don't know which way to go, what to do, how to say it. We don't even know how to fail right. We need the Word of God. And so I'm thankful for the Word and that it's, uh, that it's sufficient. It's efficient and it's sufficient to salvation and to teach us all that we need to know about Christ and godly living. So as we move into the Scriptures, I want you to open your Bible and stand to your feet as we read the Word of God. Today we'll be in Revelation chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. Revelation chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island of, called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. I heard that motorcycle and I thought it was theme music in the background. I thought, the Lord is here. Did you hear that? I didn't even stop. I just kept on. I was like, yep. Yeah, Mickey, I thought you had some of that for me anyway. Huh? All right, so let's get into the Word of God. Let's open it up and, and uh, let's see what the Lord has for us today. Uh, I, there's so much here, and as you know, as we've been going through the Scripture and Revelation, the Lord has just been unpacking so much. And I, I talked to a few men last week, talked to a few people last week, and I asked them, I said, what did you think about the sermon? You know, uh, what did you, did, were you able to follow along and understand and be able to receive what the Lord had for you? Because the truth of the matter is, is that this book could get so deep so fast that it could choke you. Amen? What do you mean? You've been being choked? I don't understand. We need to take our time. I told my, my wife, I said, this is one of the hardest books that I've ever preached. Not because of the difficulty. Not because of the difficulty, because we already established that the very first line in the book is the revelation or the unveiling or the, the, the making clearer Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this book has wrongly been labeled as uh, uh, the, the mystery that cannot be unlocked, the code so that nobody can understand it. That's not true. It is written in such a way that you do have to have some understanding of some other things to be able to receive the revelation, but it's not as if God is hiding it. He already gave you that which you need to understand, it, and it's found in the Old Testament. The reason it's difficult to preach is not because it's hard to understand, but because it's so deep. 
and so rich and so wonderful and, 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 and intricate and, and it's so vast. You see, last week I started preaching on about three verses, five through eight. And we ended up looking at about 15 verses all over the Bible. And I talked to Brother Robert Farmer, and I'm like, did you understand where I was going? It's like, you, you hung a left and lost me for a second. And, and John said, I was trying, and Heather said, Lord bless the person who's on the screen back there trying to keep up on the verses, because we were, we were like, okay, Daniel, it was like Bible challenge, you know, Daniel 7, Zechariah 12, Exodus 19. <laughs> and he's trying to, he's trying to flip over, but it's so good. If you remember, Revelation is uh, based on whatever estimate you want to look at, but let's say an average of 90% allusions to the Old Testament. So we need, you need, listen, if you want to better understand my sermons on Revelation or anybody's sermons on Revelation that are, you know, that are contextually sound or that really try to go through the book, if you want to understand Revelation at all, do yourself a favor and read the Old Testament. You say, that's a big chunk of reading. Okay, then let's dial it in to read the book of uh, Ezekiel, read the book of Daniel, read the book of Zechariah. Start in those. And then work your way out from there. Specifically, Daniel chapter 7 and all of Zechariah 4 and 12. Daniel, Zechariah, and Ezekiel. Go read those books. You'll do yourself a world of good. Read them several different times. And as you read Revelation, you'll start to say, wow, that really lines up. It's amazing how it lines up. And so last week, if you're wondering how we got so deep so fast, it's because there are so many ways. I could spend probably six months preaching on Revelation 1 five through eight. So rich and so deep. But if you get what I was trying to, the main point that I was trying to reveal last week is that Jesus Christ has carved out for himself from day one a particular people who he will not lose. He is calling them to be priests and kings as we have seen throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. And the same promises that were made to Israel is made of all who believe in the New Testament, all who believe, period, throughout the world. You say, what's the significance of that? The significance of that is, is that as you read the scriptures, it's not as if one part wasn't for you and another part was for you, but that the whole Bible is applicable and it's absolutely pertinent to who you are and what you do and how you live your life. All the promises in the Old Testament are yours in Jesus Christ. All the helpful advice given to those in the Old Testament are for you and need to be applied to your life if you want to be who God's called you to be. Amen? You want to be who God called you to be? Then you need to understand all of Scripture and the whole counsel of God needs to be applied to your life. And amazing things will start to unfold. Amazing things will start to unfold. It says, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God. Now, we're going to springboard off of this truth that who is it that has made us priests, kings? Who has freed us by his blood? Who is he? He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he finishes out in verse 8 saying, I am the alpha and the omega, which is what? The beginning and the end is what he says. Says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. It's this declaration of power. You see, we don't serve a God made by human hands. We don't serve an idol. We don't serve worthless 
useless, ineffective gods that can do nothing for us. No, our God was there in the beginning. He started it all and he'll be there in the end. He's going to finish it. You see, our God is the God, the only one. His name is Jesus, otherwise known as Yahweh. He is the I am. Your God. This God that I proclaim, he said, what's the difference between Allah? What's the difference in the God of the Hindus? What's the difference in the God of the Jehovah's Witness? What's the difference in the God of the Mormons? They're not gods. They're not gods. They're worthless, pitiable. They do nothing. They can't even speak. They're made from human hands and human imaginations. We serve the one true God. His name is Yahweh, Jesus Christ, who said even before Abraham was, I am. So with this declaration of power and declaration of authority, John is saying, this is the authority that I'm coming in. This is the power that I write with. This should be on your mind as you read these words. Do we apply the word of God to our lives? Why do we do it? Because the Alpha and the Omega has said it. Therefore, we said it in our hearts. He writes it on our hearts and it transforms who we are. So with this declaration, he then goes on to say the the title of this message today is the situation. The situation from which John is writing and to which John is writing. You see, John, the author of the letter, is writing from a certain situation, isn't he? He has things going on in his life, just like Randy's got things going on in his life right now. And as he speaks... As the assistant director for Carpenters of Christ, he's speaking that out of certain situations in his life. We don't know what that is. But if he enlightened us, it might help us to understand how to receive even what he's saying. He may have a struggle going on, but yet he's still faithful to pursue what God's called him to, right? That would help us to understand a little bit better. Well, John here is doing the same thing. He's given us the prologue. He's given us the, 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 who the letter's to and, and why he's writing it. Here he's saying, this is where I'm writing it from so you can better understand why and how and when I'm writing. Doesn't it help to understand? It helps to understand where the author's coming from, what he's going through. And if Randy would have had more time, maybe he could have shared even some of that. But as you hear from a preacher or a teacher, as you hear from a a friend, as you hear from someone who is uh, uh, an advisor or a counselor, doesn't it help to, to know where they've been? Doesn't it help to know where they've come from? You know, I always, I always thought it was crazy that the Lord called me to be a preacher because if you would have known me in my former life, I still have people meet me on the street and and maybe i guess they haven't heard or they look at me and say you still doing that preaching thing you still doing that jesus thing yeah yeah right they still they just don't understand it they can't get it and i always wondered lord why'd you let me go down that road i could have had more years to study the bible I could have had more time to to understand the scriptures. I could have had more time to pray and seek the Lord. But Jesus, he's revealed to me. God's revealed to me. He said, I allowed these things to happen. I opened up the door. I allowed you to go through these things because I had a certain job for you. I had a certain people that I wanted you to go after. Now, was God the author of my sin? No, I made the stupid choices. But God took what was meant for evil and said, I mean it for good. I serve a sovereign God. 
I serve a God that says, even in your stupidity, I'm going to glorify myself. So you see, I love Mark Bishop. And he can reach people that I could never reach. But I bet he can't just stroll right down Randolph and be like, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, we smoke crack together. Come here, let me talk to you. He can't do that. But I ain't got near as many suits. And he can relate to those guys a whole lot easier than me. See, the world needs me and it needs Mark. It needs for me to be able to look a meth head in the eye and say, I know what you're going through. And look at all y'all. That's why y'all here, because y'all crazy. And some of y'all was meth heads. I know. Hallelujah. God set you free. He's powerful. He's able to save. And some of y'all just come because I'm weird. All right. Either way, God is glorified. What Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. Well, John's writing out of a certain situation in his life. And because of his situation, he can directly speak to the people he's writing to. Listen to what he says. Let's unpack these. It says, I, John, he identifies himself as John. We've already established that 99 out of 100 commentators and yours truly believe that this is the uh, apostle John, that's the beloved disciple, the one that leaned up on Jesus and was able to have a deeper relationship with him. He says, I, John, your brother and partner. Another understanding or translation says your fellow partaker. I, John, your brother and partner in what? In the tribulation, in the kingdom, and in the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Now, I try not to do a whole lot of the original language stuff, but this one's fairly important. In Greek, if you've got a definite article, which is a the, it's not a big deal, it's a the, the Lord, the tribulation, the kingdom, whatever it is, if you have one, then it, then it will distinguish a group of words many times. And here what we have is we don't have a separation of these three things, meaning the tribulation, the kingdom, and the patient endurance of the perseverance. There's only one definite article followed by these three words, meaning, why is that important? It means that all of these should be understood as being lumped together as one thought. So he says, the tribulation, kingdom, and endurance. The tribulation, kingdom, and endurance. This is one thought process that, that is true for all of those who are where. What is it followed up by? He says, your brother and partner in the tribulation, kingdom, and endurance or patience that are in Jesus. This is theology shattering for many people. This rocks the theological world in the health, wealth, and prosperity movement. Because what this says is that tribulation, kingdom, and perseverance are all, all together in Jesus Christ. So if you're in Christ, you are inevitably going to experience tribulation, kingship, and endurance. And actually, they work together, and it's a beautiful thing, and we see it unfold right here. But you need to understand that becoming a Christian in no way, shape, form, or fashion ensures you from escaping tribulation. As a matter of fact, it is the exact opposite. For those who long to come to Christ better understand that along with reigning with Christ and being freed by Christ comes being attacked because of Christ. And John is writing out of this situation. John doesn't say, I'm writing to you guys over there. Now, I've escaped it. I hope you can make it. 
I ain't coming back over there. You see, brother, you're going into the ghettos. You cannot reach those who you will not go over close enough to to grab a hand. John says, not only have I been there, but I am there. What does he say? I, John, your brother and partner. We're partnered in this, brother. I'm in the same boat you are. And your brother and partner in the tribulation kingdom and endurance, patient endurance, also translated as perseverance that are in Jesus. Now, I got a whole ton of notes I ain't looked at them one time, but I think we're doing okay. Amen? Let's just keep on rolling. I will give you this one quote by a guy named G.K. Bill, one of the best uh, uh, commentaries on Revelation, the things like this thick. It's just, it choke you. It'll choke a goat is what it do. But he said, I'm trying to read, I'm trying to take it all in, and he's got so much. It's just, it's bad for you because we preach till 1230 every time I read it. I read it this week. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. But G.K. Bill writes this about this, uh, the tribulation, kingdom, and perseverance or endurance. He writes this. He says, this is a formula for kingship. This is, you want to be a king? You want to be, a, it was like, I want to be a king. I want a crown. I want a king. I want to be a king. This is the formula for true kingship. He says, this is the formula for kingship. Faithful endurance through tribulation is the means by which one reigns in the presence, in the present with Jesus. Let me read that again in case you missed it. This is a formula for kingship, speaking of this verse. Faithful endurance through tribulation is the means by which one reigns in the present with Jesus. You see, I don't speak of a future reign. Although it has implications of a future reign when our kingship is brought into full fruition. But the kingship that I speak of is already inaugurated by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as he, per, he, he put himself out on the cross for persecution and for death. And in so doing, he went into the grave, defeated death, came out of the grave, took his place on the throne and said, any who believe in me will also reign with me. And speaking of present tense salvation, Ephesians chapter 2 says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourself, but it's the gift of God. And you have been what? You have been seated in the heavenly. You, have, you see, you've already been given a throne. You've already been given kingship and dominion over the earth. Several different ways that shapes itself out and works itself out in Revelation. But we need to understand that our kingship in Christ as heirs to the throne doesn't begin out there, but it has already begun here. That's why you need to start exercising authority here on earth. That's what Randy's doing when he goes over there. He exercises authority here on earth over evil spirits, over evil dominions, over desires of the flesh, over all these things. He's saying, you will cease and Jesus Christ will reign. We speak what isn't as though it is. And through our sovereign Lord Jesus Christ, he says, arise. That's why you walk with authority. So many Christians won't do it. <laughs> I understand you're in tribulation. I understand that sometimes tears are the way. There's a time for mourning and there's a time for weeping. There's a time for sadness. I understand that. 
There's also a time for triumph. There's also a time for, for laying down the word of God over your enemy and saying, you will stop here. You see, when, when you walk into a room, the Holy Spirit and Christ and the Father walk in too. Do you command authority or are you under authority? Do you command authority as an ambassador of Christ or are you under the authority of sin and hell and flesh? Romans chapter 8 says the spirit of life in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. There's that phrase, in Christ, has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are no longer, you are no longer under that law. As he said here, the one who has freed us from our sins by his blood, do you exercise your kingship or not? We need to step outside of that. The formula here is the formula for kingship is faithful endurance through tribulation is the means by which we reign. You see, this is absolutely found throughout the scriptures. I want you to turn with me, if you will, uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to read verses 8 through 11 for you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 11 reads... Like this, remember Jesus Christ. I want you to listen for the same words. Listen for endurance. Listen for faithfulness. Listen for all these things. Listen for reigning. Listen for suffering. All these different things. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. Paul's writing this. Bound with chains as a criminal, he says. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy and true for, listen to the saying, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, if we endure, if what? That's a conditional statement, is it not? If we endure, we will also reign with him. You see the formula again? If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Mm, so good. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 8 through 10, we read this last week, but I want to show you this. How was it that Jesus Christ took his seat on the throne? How was it that Jesus Christ was exalted? What was the means by which he was exalted? This is important for you because some, for some reason, we here in America think that if we become a Christian, then everything should be gravy for us. We think that we should escape trial. We don't understand why we're suffering. We don't get why we're going through tribulation. But you need to understand, and I'll say it again and again and again and again, that your suffering, your tribulation, your trial is the means by which you will reign with Christ. That's why James says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials and tribulations. We live in an upside-down world when everything should be handed to us. You see, I own a business. I get to see it firsthand. I own a business. I try to hire people. I try my best to hire people. And then they get fired. Why? Or they just quit. Why? Because everybody and their brother thinks they're worth $48 an hour. And they ain't worth 8 
They don't want to earn it. They don't want to learn it. They don't, want to, they don't want to work themselves up by hard work, determination, perseverance, endurance. They just want it handed to them. We are raising a generation of children who think everyone owes them everything. They are little idols are what they are. They're little, they, they think they're God. Mine, mine, give it to me now. And even if I do something wrong, it's still mine. Right? I drug test randomly now. Oh, Lord. Fired everybody one time. No joke, except one. Well, the two. I didn't give her one, though. <laughs> yeah, I gave a random drug test one time. I had to fire everybody. And so I was wrong. You wrong for that. You don't want to smoke it up. I ain't put that straw in your nose. It wasn't me. And they are that song, right? Wasn't me. Right? I mean our whole culture exudes this. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's my mama and my daddy's fault. That may be the case though. We need to whoop our kids. Heather's like, calm down. Y'all don't get on this age. You know what the Bible says. Listen to this. They always like this. And I told my son this and he's like, the Bible says this. I like it. I like it. Now I'm quoting the Bible so you can't get mad. The Bible says this. It says, though you strike a child across the back with the rod, he won't die. That's quoting the Bible. Okay. That's all I'm going to do is quote the Bible. All right. <laughs> Where do we buy those rods at again? <laughs> well rods, yeah. Listen to the scripture here. How was he exalted? What was the means by which he was exalted? And this is the King Jesus. This is King Jesus, the Lord of eternity. This is how he was, exa- he was exalted. And you think you can do it another way? This is Jesus. It says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore, because he humbled himself to even death on a cross, the greatest tribulation of all, because he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm about to get excited. Hey, when your trial comes and your tribulation comes, you smile. Baby, hear me one more time. Don't do that. That was not good. We don't long for tribulation, right? None of us, we're not that stupid, right? We don't long for tribulation. But by golly, when it comes, we understand what it's going on. We don't suffer as those who are not uh, children of the light. We have greater understanding, but we forget it, right? That first blow, we forget it. It's like a fighter who's in the ring, and the first time he gets his bell rung, he just forgets all of his training. 
I was in a tough man contest one time, and I have no fight training at all, just in the bars and in the streets, so just brawling, right? Charles, you just grab them by the beard and pull them down, you know? <laughs> right? That's all I know. So I've got gloves on, and I've got headgear on, and, 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 and I'm, I'm in this ring, and I'm fighting this guy who's like 250 pounds, and he's been trained. And you can do tough man contests. I didn't know this. You can do tough man contests, and if you win enough of them, you get your little permit to actually do professional boxing. Well, I was his guinea pig to get his permit for the boxing, right? But I was working. You know, I was working, and we were doing, I was doing okay for somebody who's not trained. Well, then I was, remember, I was about to die. Like, literally, I was going to die. And, and I got back over to my corner, and my trainer, they give you a trainer when you get there, you know. And the trainer said, you got to remember to breathe. I said, I'm breathing, I'm breathing. He said, no, you're not. You're holding your breath. Well, apparently, every time I'd go in to fight this guy, I'd go, <gasps> I didn't forget how to fight. I forgot how to breathe. That's true of us. As soon as that first blow comes, we, we forget. We forget the scriptures. We forget that Jesus Christ suffered unto death so that we might live. We forget that we're children of God and that we will experience suffering so that we will reign with him. Amen? When that trial comes and you get that shot, you say, praise the Lord. I'm being sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. I get, to get, I get to get hit like my Savior got hit. Woo! I, John, we ain't even got through the first verse yet. You're already up here about to play. You early. You right on time. We believe in the sovereignty of God here at the well. Ain't never been early in my life. I ain't never been late either. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation in the kingdom and the patient endurance that, was in Jesus, that are in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, this only further accentuates and only further proves that if you love Jesus, if you are pursuing him, if you are being transformed to be conformed to the image of the Son, if Jesus Christ is your king and if he's your, he, he's your Lord, then you can go ahead and bet. Just be looking for it. You don't have to be surprised by it. You know, that guy that I was, he could hit. I've never been hit. So, I've been in a bunch of fights in my life. I've never been hit so hard. I wasn't wouldn't, I wouldn't expecting that. He hit me really hard. It was hard. But I should have been. I was in a fight. I was in the ring. I knew what was going on, but I just wouldn't, yeah, I wasn't thinking about it. John's saying here, he's, he's saying, look, I'm writing encouragement to you. I'm writing for you. I'm writing, this letter is for you to let you know that the apostle John, the beloved disciple, the one who was leaning up on Jesus, he was down. He was down with the king. As close as I am to Christ, I'm in the tribulation right now. But in so saying, I know I'm in the kingdom too, brother. Brother and partner. You see, we're partners and brothers in the tribulation, but we're also brothers and partners in the kingdom. And that is, that is perfected and realized through patient endurance 
It will be the long-suffering that Jesus Christ put on display for you. It will be the long-suffering that held him to the cross. You say, what proves Christianity for you? Was it the resurrection? No, that's a great proof. Was it, was it the, the transfiguration? Was it the ascension? Was it the incarnation? No, all great truths. The nail in the coffin for me is the fact that the king of kings with all power, the alpha and the omega, Yahweh, the one who was and who is and who is to come, the one that commands legions of angels when he opens his mouth, the one who created everything as he spoke it into existence, stayed on the cross. Understand? You see, you think your sin is bad? Like, like, God, like God is going to abandon you because your sin is so bad? Well, if we understand God rightly, he knows all things, the beginning from the end, correct? He saw your sin while he was on the cross. If he thought it was bad enough, he would have said then, I ain't doing this. Love held him there. The will of the Father held him there. Because it says that all that the Father has given to me, they will come to me and I will not lose one. I will not lose one. God saw your sin way before you even were thought of. And he went to the cross in light of your sin. In light of the sins of your wife. Despite the sins of your husband. He went to the cross for him and he knew. He knew. He felt it. What do you think drove the whip from the Roman soldier's hand? It was your sin. It was yours. And it was my sin. It was that thing I looked at. It was that word I spoke. It was that dollar I robbed. And as he took those lashes, it didn't catch him off guard. Not like it does us. No. It was why he was there. We go for the victory. He went for the beating. And every lick, every drop of blood that was spilt screamed the glory of God. You see, we think that our success, this whole health, wealth, and prosperity nonsense, the people who, and if you believe that, I'm sorry. It's foolishness. It's foolish, utter foolishness. Stupidity. We believe that God is honored and magnified and shown best through our wealth and through our success. Can that, can that show God? Sure. Nothing displays the kingship of Jesus like suffering. Nothing. It's another reason why we can suffer well is because in your... Don't waste it. So often we waste our suffering. We go into our suffering and we're getting pounded. We're getting pounded and we crumble and we lay on the ground and we cover up our head and we say, please, Lord, let it go. Let it go. Let me survive. Let me survive. Let me survive. And we just, we waste it. When it could be the most glorifying time in your life to glorify Christ. Because when you're struck with the rod, when you're, when you're beaten with the shaft and you've done nothing wrong and you still glorify your Father in heaven, the world looks at that and goes, why? Why? 
would this man go to the cross? Why? Why would he still? Do you remember Job and his wife? Remember his wife said, go ahead, curse God and die, you stupid man. Never. Never. What a magnificent testimony of God's goodness and his grace to us wicked sinners. Amen? Don't waste your suffering. It was on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus that he was there. And I'm going to stop there because I'm, I want to spend some time on verse 10 and 11. That's okay. We'll go as far as God wants us to go. Let's take that word and let's let it, let's let it just simmer down. You see, John is speaking from a place of knowing what you're going through. He's not standing from a distance and saying, you're going to be okay. You'll be okay. No, he's, he's sitting right beside you with his arm around you. And, and as you... And as you lay your head on his shoulder and you start to weep he starts to weep too and he says it's going to be okay you say why you say why and he says because I've seen the Lord of glory God has taken me to that place and, and, and though we weep now little child though we, though we cry though we can't see him right now though it's, he's, he seems far off though it seems so rough for a little while I've seen it I've seen it and I've heard and I've tasted the Lord and He's good. And He says, hold on, little child. Hold on. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. Some of you right now, just, just hold on. Terry, I know your mom, I know it could be, so, it's so close, isn't it? And though we thought it was going to be a couple of years ago, but she's a fighter. And the Lord's extended her days. But it could be any time now. How painful that will be. How painful that will be. But you know what, Terry? When the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and I know you've had other losses too, but as the Lord gathers your brokenness up and He holds you together and He, and he caresses you and he, he swings you in His arms and He kisses you on the cheek and He says, my child, it's going to be okay. When he holds you together, Terry, under all of this, when he holds you together, other people will look and say, the Lord is good. You see, they, the scripture says, let them see your good works. Let your good works shine before men, and they will honor your Father in heaven. You see, as they look at you suffering, they say, oh, isn't God good? I know there are husbands and wives in here who are struggling, and they don't understand how they're going to overcome this sin. But I promise you this, when the Lord Jesus Christ overcomes sin through the blood of the cross and forgiveness and grace reigns when that storm ends that sun shines brighter than it has ever shone before ever out of the darkest storms come the brightest sunshine beams of sunshine that you can ever imagine isn't that true you ever been working outside or outside and it just rains and then after that rain, that sun comes out, and you're like, good grief. John's saying, just hold on. I got good plans for this. I got some good things planned. Now, when the hammer's getting nailed, <laughs> that hammer's like, dang. But the finished product, the finished product's beautiful. As we all stand to our feet,
Next week, I'm excited because we're going to talk about John who was in the Spirit, and he heard the, the, the voice that come from behind him, and it was like a loud trumpet blast, which is this powerful display of the authority of God. And this, this, this it being in the Spirit, this being in the Spirit and hearing the Word of God, this is how all of this unfolds. So if you want to hear that, be back next week. If you want to see somebody get transformed, bring them next week. I take no claim to power, but the Word of God that I preach is powerful. It's powerful. I've watched it trans transform many lives, including mine. You're looking at someone who's been in a ditch, meth head, I'll own it right now. But through that, God is glorified. You want to see somebody transform? Bring them. So I'll tell you, bring them. The Word of God is absolutely powerful, powerful to save. Don't forget to see Randy right out here if you want to sponsor him and, and be a part of that. In this invitation, as I invite you to come forward, I want you to know that there is a purpose. There is a purpose for your suffering. There is a purpose for your trial. There is a purpose for the lashes that you are receiving right now, whether it be from the world or from the Lord. Sometimes it's not, it's not whips from the world. Sometimes it's discipline from the Lord. But God disciplines those whom he loves. Either way, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Use it for his glory. Don't suffer in vain, child of God. Don't suffer in vain. You hang in there. You patiently endure and never give up looking to Christ who never gave up. Lord Jesus, I pray over these guys these women and these men, these children in this room, I pray, God, that you would give them freedom. As we come to respond to the word of God, I pray that we would lay all of our troubles, trials, and tribulations down at the cross. And in our suffering, we would realize that we will one day reign with you if we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. In Christ's name, amen. Respond as God is calling you to respond.